Cahen is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery, offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck, featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner. Cahen is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. Cahen and Little Red Hen – just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. Welcome, friends, to On the Rails with me, your host, Forrest Whitman. This is part two of an interview with Madison Butler here on On the Rails. She's back here in the Cahen caboose. She's got her feet up. She's got her jammies. I don't know. what's She's she's comfy anyway, sitting <laughs> by the old cold stove back in the caboose. And uh, up in the head end is uh, Rick White, our engineer. He's scanning the tracks ahead to make sure we don't run over any maidens in distress or buffalo or anything like that. And <laughs> <laughs> looks like we clear sailing this morning for us or this afternoon. Does it look look pretty good up there? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and yeah, well, uh-huh. And we've been talking about food. Madison, part of her job with is well is to go out and eat food everywhere on every Amtrak train. She will be there eating food. Absolutely. And we were we got talking a lot about the flat iron steak. And during the break, I looked up the flat iron steak to see what why why it's so associated with railroad dining cars. And what that was interesting, they said it's. Uh, that it is a less expensive cut of meat than, mm-hmm. say, the fillets and so on. And that's probably why the railroad started to tout the flat iron steak, that makes serve, sense. serve the flat iron steak. But according to these reviewers, it is one of the juiciest, juiciest nicest steaks out there. What it does have is it has a kind of a strip of of uh, gristly something that goes right through the middle. And you've got to eat on either side of that strip. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't know that this was, the you case. know, I saved that little strip for when the track is kind of rough and then put uh, it in the back of my mouth. So I don't chip my teeth on my way back to the boat. That's great idea. You put that little strip on your <laughs> teeth. Because <laughs> it was a mouth guard. Uh, uh, <laughs> Very funny. Hey, oh, Forrest, do you mind if I tell your listeners a little bit about a dinner that you might get on a uh, Fred Harvey Services Santa Fe dining car? Back in the day, sure. Back in the day, you could get a baked striped bass for $2.15. Wow. They oh, had bass. roast rib of prime, prime beef for $2.75. Um, you could get a uh, red or white table wine 
for 75 cents for six ounces. And wow. you know, the, 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 it looks like that the, uh, the dinners came, you know, full bore. They, you got a combination salad, dinner rolls, vanilla ice cream, cookies, coffee, tea, or milk. And it looks like you could get away with probably about three bucks with the tip. Wow. Those were the days. Those were the days. I want to scale that like with inflation and see what that would cost now. Yes. Well, well, these are the days here on the rails. And, uh, but, but I was just so interested to learn that why the flat iron steak became such a railroad specialty because it's less expensive than some other cuts. But these uh, gourmets writing about it say, no, 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 it's just as good. It's, and it may be better than, uh, say, even filet mignon. Now, that's hard to believe. But uh, <laughs> they were saying, but you've just got to find a way to cut that center gristly strip out. out, out uh, and, and you can't really, they recommend leaving it in to cook it because that, retains the natural juices, Mm -hmm. which you want in a medium rare steak. Now, flat iron, they say, whatever you do, stay with medium rare. And they say, whatever you do, go, go with choice or prime. Don't, don't drop down to good. Or there's another category. They said, you know, stay with that. Right. And, um, but it was indeed the specialty of uh, railroad uh, dining cars, particularly New York central, but also Santa Fe, your old line there. Rick, yeah, and um, so that's that's the flat iron steak that was out there. Why it's named flat iron, they don't know. One theory is that in New York City there was a grill. It was called the flat iron grill. Hmm. It was across. It was across the the from the doors that opened into what station did the New York Central serve in downtown Manhattan? I assume Grand Central. Don't we assume? I guess. So you walked into the flat iron from there and had your flat iron steak there said no we want another one in the dining car no i i don't know and that's like we should be getting you know more menu ideas from things like that i love that story like i always go to lou mitchell's when i'm in chicago lou mitchell's yes if Uh you all have not been i can't recommend it enough it's just right down the street from chicago union station easy little like two block walk Um, But they have like everything from like Greek omelets to mini donuts to flapjacks. Like they have a huge breakfast menu. I've actually never eaten lunch there. I always get the breakfast when I go. Well, but, you know, getting off the city of New Orleans first thing in the morning or like taking the Empire Builder down to change over. Like I have had the best times at Lou Mitchell's. All right. Lou Mitchell's. Chicago mm-hmm. Institution, and we're going to look, have to look that up too. Or we're going to have to go for us. We have to go together. Let's go. Let's take this caboose all the way to Chicago, baby. I'm ready. <laughs> all the way to Chicago. You know, we need to do that seriously. Uh, several people have talked about getting a, you know, booking an overnight back there, and the high point would be to interview you or ride with you on the Empire Builder. We've got a guy named Pete Bond who's in our group that he's he's never giving this up. He's convinced we're going to be on the Empire Builder someday soon. So, um, yeah, why not? I love it. It's a little well, cold right now, but 
you know, pack your big boots. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. But do you, do you have, have you had a bit of snow there? Yeah, it snowed um, a couple of days ago. It hasn't really started sticking yet, but I did talk to um, some of the guys who work on the, the front range rail coalition there in Colorado and uh, the greater North coalition, you know, looking at expanding uh, yeah. through Montana and some of them, you know, they're on the Zoom call looking at me on the video and it's just like dumping snow behind them. Wow. Yeah. And, wow. you know, when I lived in Colorado, I lived in Vail. So I kind of love the snow and I love like a good snow day when you wake yeah. up and everything's just crispy. Oh. And, you know, that's, I've only had a couple of those on the train, mm-hmm. though, because most of my train trips have been in the spring and the summer. Mm-hmm. So if, if conditions hold, like I kind of would like to do like empire builder, you know, through Montana in the thick of it, just see what it's like, you know? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And that's daily service now. Yep. So if you did get snowed in, you'd, <laughs> you'd hope that there's somebody coming for relief. Yeah. And we're, we're pushing, you know, to keep daily service and extend daily service too. And, you know, I was talking in the first half about just trying to get more Amtrak staff rehired and getting them into a position, you know, where these teams are safe, they're efficient, they're well-trained and ready to rock. And, um, you know, being able to maintain daily service means you have to have people on board to, to do the day every day to do all of its requirements. So, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that with everything lining up with the infrastructure bill and everybody kind of, you know, getting back out there, that this is all going to work out and we're going to be able to expand daily service to more routes. Well, and the politics are, at least according to one of our senators here, uh, uh, Bennett, who's on uh, the transportation committee, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then he, one of our senators, uh, he's, he's very, very optimistic. He says, no, 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 no. He said, they don't call him Amtrak Joe for nothing. Yeah. He said, he's, and he said, well, if he got, if, <laughs> if, for what how i can't quite believe it could happen but he said no no what if we had four more years after this four years of joe biden he said my god we amtrak would be right up there with the aircraft carriers and so on i as it should be right as it should be he's uh yeah dreaming dreams there but anyway that's uh that is interesting that there is there is a push from the top no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, we have <laughs> members um, all over America who have all reached out to their representatives, you know, and, and said, this is something that I support. This bill is something I believe in. And, you know, there was a lot of contention, too, about like, well, is Amtrak just going to spend all this on the Northeast? You know, what about the national network? What about state trains? Because, you know, like y'all, the Front Range Corridor, to open up a state service there would change so much of how I-25 works for Coloradans, you know. And so we, our team was able to pass language that secured about $16 billion for the national network. And typically the whole network runs annually on 1.5 billion. So this is the largest amount of funds we've been able to get secured for the national network since Rail Passengers Association helped start Amtrak back in the 70s. Wow. So it's it's wow. a big, big deal. And I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. As long as everybody, you know, buckles down, gets to work, does what they need to do to make sure their part of the puzzle goes together, we could see really amazing service over the next four years for sure. Wow. 
Well, and certainly here in, in Colorado and New Mexico, the idea of a front range train is is just it's been there. The planners have talked about this forever. Mm-hmm. They've said they've said, well, we used to have daily trains, two or three a day from Trinidad up to uh, well, up to Colorado Springs, up to Union Station, up to Boulder, uh, across the top up there to uh, Fort Morgan. I think it was Fort Morgan yeah. and on to and on to uh, Wyoming. But yeah, there's people in Cheyenne that are like, there's no reason we don't want to get from here to Fort Collins. What that would do for our schools would be great. Keep all the college kids going between the big universities off of the highway. You know, the way they like to party. I think that's probably a good idea. Oh, yeah. Yes. And and we've had some kind of sad news reports lately about that. And and it's it's true. Uh, You like to think, well. This is stereotyping our college students, I know, but we've had some pretty bad collisions, crashes, yeah. and things there. Mm. And uh, huh, it's inter- it's it's interesting. And, yeah, and, and it um, just shows the incentives of you know rail travel, and we just have to get people into it. There's like a whole, I think there's a whole generation between us, Forrest, that just kind of like got in their car and went to the drive-through and didn't get to learn about how awesome it can be taking the train how much of a you know just a headache reducer it is to just get on sit down and get where you're going and you know i think my generation and the people that come after me you know the amount that we have to deal with environmentally you know financially there's so many reasons that it just makes sense and now is just absolutely the time to invest in it you know roll your sleeves up and start repairing this infrastructure Yes. You know, these a lot of these tragedies, these circumstantial things can be avoided. We just have to give people the tools to, you know, go to a new place, have a new experience and do so safely. It's safe. Yeah. Mention the safe, the safety and the and well, that's so interesting, too, in one sense, in that I wonder what the statistics would show that. But I, my guess is back in the 1940s, college students would get together and have these same rallies and parties and football games and but i i bet you weren't seeing a lot of highway crashes i mean well, I you didn't have it. the highways right the in, well, the interstate infrastructure was different yeah that's true and now yeah, you got cars true. that higher speeds there's more of them not that we did a lot of that when i was in, in that age group we did some <laughs> i won't tell anybody <laughs> we did some we did some it wasn't every weekend for sure yeah so we've gone from the flat iron steak to the future of food service to the future of the how we will spend infrastructure money. Now, is infrastructure money, does that come directly to Amtrak or does that come through the Department of Transportation through uh, Buttigieg and his department? I wonder. So there's a whole breakdown. We have a on the front page of our website that shows sort of who is moving what money and how. So there's certain things that are allocated. There's certain things that come through uh, applying for a federal grant, you know, like your Chrissy, your Tiger grants, those sort of programs. Uh, And then there are things that are already dedicated funding projects. So we had um, um, Laura Mason as a guest from Amtrak on one of our recent webinars and y'all should reach out to her. She's absolutely amazing. She's visionary. Uh, but she Laura used to, Mason. yes, she used to work at um, 
the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority, so running DC Metro, and she spearheaded their construction projects. And so she is taking over that similar responsibility for Amtrak, first in the Northeast, and then kind of working on national projects. But she's a huge background in engineering, construction project management, as well as transportation. And so they've invested in a couple of people like that on their team that those people are going to take the money that's like already allocated, that's already spoken for and drive to get these older Amtrak projects done, you know, station revitalization, electrification in the Northeast, uh, you know, a lot of uh, ADA compliance issues and just like bring all of the stuff up to speed that's been dragging. And I think that's, you know, a really good use of the money up front. So there are things too, like uh, state supported services, if we wanted that, you know, front range, like state service as opposed to a national uh, or transnational train, um, there are grants that have to be applied for. There's some outlining that has to be done as to how that money would be spent. So it's a little A and a little B. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and yes. And um, groups like Colorado Association of Railroad Passengers. Great group. Which we, which we always want everybody to join i think it's still 12 dollars a year to be nice. a member isn't that great i mean uh, it's pushing for that and um you probably met jim uh, jim uh, sobe yeah I, i've sobe. met jim sobe i've worked with him i'm saying his times. name wrong jim sobe sobe yeah 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 he's sobe. part of the national association too i actually come to him for a lot of advice my whole team does he's very very committed to the outcome of passing oh yes huh. yes yeah, Subi's been Subi's been in there pitching for many years, many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, and and I think people don't really realize how important that is because I think they don't feel <clears throat> what are we intimidated by the automobile lobby? I maybe we have been. I mean, it's certainly been the case that uh, yeah. It's a it's a different game. You know, the the subsidization of airline travel, of automotive um, building. I mean, this 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 creation of cars is heavily subsidized. Gas companies, you know, get all of these write offs. And it's really wild to me that, you know, we have to fight tooth and nail to get a, a small one B billion for Amtrak. When some of these companies, you know, Boeing, they make they make jets, right? They got like three hundred billion dollars in the first uh, yes. bailout. Yeah, that's Isn't more that than Amtrak has spent in its entire iterance. Yeah, you know, yeah. so I, I think you know we gotta um, keep it keep it to scale that vision that we're trying to have and think about you know well what what can we get done you know and like you said. Um, like Representative Bobbert, like there's ones who are going to be fundamentally opposed to this because they don't understand it. They don't understand why you would want to go be involved in other cultures and other communities. So I think you have to kind of have these conversations at a series of levels, you know, what's personal, what's professional, uh, what's legislative, what's circumstantial, you know, kind of take it piece by piece in that regard and meet people where they're at. Yeah, where, where they're at, Exactly. Yeah, and I think Subi's always been really good at that. He's he's been a strong leader, um, a state leader for us for many many years. Well, and and um, it, it's just interesting. Right now, the Denver Post is screaming headlines. Yes, yes, we're going to expand I twenty five. I twenty five is going to be 
uh, you know, the uh, the root of the future, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's not because there's somebody wrote, wrote an op-ed in there saying, no, you're, you're going to extend it from, let's see, expand it from, um, I don't know, Colorado Springs North, somewhere in through there. They're calling it the, the missing gap or the gap. Mm-hmm. You're going to, it, it's going to be, and this guy says, Here's, here are the figures on it. Within 1.2 years, it's going to be serious problems. Within three years, it's going to be jam full. Right. So they're spending all these, you know, billions. Right. And what are you going to do? Uh, just put on more lanes? Like that's what happened yeah. with I-10 in Houston. You know, I went to college in Austin and I used to drive between Austin and Dallas and Houston. And the second I saw, you know, Texas Central putting that high speed train concept together, I was like, this is what they should have done in the first place. Yeah, There are stretches of I-10 in Houston that are four different stories, all three to six lanes wide that merge into the super highway. And there's a ton of accidents. You know, I-95 down between Miami and Orlando, you see the same thing. More accidents there than there's been, you know, uh, Amtrak derailments. And that's like per month, you know, I mean, they encompass so many losses. And so, you know, getting people on board and having these conductors who will keep us safe, people who are trained in how to drive and get us there safely. I think that's such a big deal. You know, you can always put more trains on the same track, but building out more and more highway lanes for private cars using public money. There's a point where that madness just has to stop. It's disrespectful to your environment. It's disrespectful to the people just trying to get around, you know, let's make it easier for them. Yeah. And yet the Denver Post is just screaming praise saying, this is going to be so great. You're going to be able to get on. <laughs> right. What do they get, get out on of the, it? That's the question. We're going to be get on the interstate in, in um, Colorado Springs and zip up to Denver on that interstate. And for 1.3 years, this guy is saying, that'll be true. You'll be applauding for 1.3 yeah. years. Just, then just the rest like of Texas. the time, you'll be right back. You'll be right, right. back where you were. And who knows? I mean, that that may be, well, who really does know any of this? But we you gave these engineers the thing what they do is they 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 pull together an algorithm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you follow algorithm stuff, but these algorithms can tell you what you're going to want for breakfast. The algorithm can tell you what's the history of uh, where you live. The, The algorithm can tell you what's oh, yeah. likely to happen next and it can it can cook data well no human being could cook the amount of data or even think yeah. of the amount of data that these algorithms chew up i mean it's it's all almost kind of scary uh, how much how you much just have they... to feed it the right things you know make sure that you keep track of it we did a, a study for big sky passenger rail authority Uh, looking at the feasibility of Southern Montana service and, you know, that algorithm that we used, um, you know, it's made at a collegiate level. It's something that that we know we can trust. It's made by people who are very responsible, uh, both in engineering and mathematics. And so we've been able to use our data to, uh, you know, show all kinds of things about how that service could be a game changer for these rural communities. And oh. so, you know, the algorithm, it's, it's as good as you make it. It's as bad as you make it. But you got to you got to feed the baby and burp the baby and treat it right. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I suppose that's true. Oh, well, OK. What 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 haven't we covered today? We've covered <laughs> the, 
the future of Amtrak food service. We've talked a lot about can Amtrak um, wisely spend the, the little bit of money. We're, we're finally getting a little bit of money for Amtrak um, compared to what airlines and automobiles get. Um, we, we're kind of on the right track, maybe doing some rehiring of crews to, you know, supplement, supplement what's, what's left. Mm-hmm. What, uh, and the, the, the stimulus funds seem to be there. And uh, we're hoping the economy does pick up. But that's odd, too, because apparently the economy isn't really that bad. I read another op-ed that said, no, the economy's really kind of okay. In fact, picking back up. So I think it's all about what you make out of it, right? Well, you know, and anybody who wants to uh, give us support, too, you know, we didn't get money in that infrastructure bill. Real Passengers is just a small nonprofit. Uh, we'd love to have more people join realpassengers.org slash join or realpassengers.org slash donate. But, you know, we run entirely on donations. And so we don't have, you know, the dirty money that you see in Washington. We're just a staff of five, a small board and a number of volunteers trying to get the work done. So, yes, if anyone needs a call to action or a kick in the pants, you can take this as one and reach out to me personally. I think so. Uh, well, we are we're actually it's, as I look out the window of the old caboose, I see the sun beginning to beginning to sort of sort of set, which means, huh? Yeah, I know <laughs> it needs nap time. Oh right. my gosh! All right. Well, any okay. Last words from uh, for for on the rails for for this segment this week. Just thanks for having me. I look forward to part three, four, five, six million. And anytime you all have questions, you know, just reach out to me first. I'll dispel the rumors. I'll get it to you straight from the source. And you're good. You are really good for that. All right. This has been the uh, second half of our interview here at uh, On the Rails. And um, by golly, it's time to say to our engineer, do you have any final words from the front end of this train? Looks good up here, Forrest. We're uh, we're about out of time. We're going to have to have to, have to let this uh, young lady go. Very nice to have you again. Uh, Matt. Oh, very uh, nice. Yes. Love being here. All right. At the count of three, we'll do a highball. I've thrown the fusee out into the snow behind the behind the caboose, so nobody's going to run into us from behind. <laughs> we're we're going to bank the fire in the old coal. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in those old cabooses. And that was the main thing you wanted to remember to do. All right, is to shout highball at the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. Highball! Highball, highball, highball. Cahan is supported in part by Hilltop Broadband. Hilltop Broadband for residential and business wireless internet service. Servicing Salida and Poncha Springs in Chaffee County, as well as areas in Fremont County, Custer County, and more. To experience the Hilltop difference and request new customer information, email info at hilltop-broadband.com or call toll-free 877-783-2889.